Hello. A bit of a preface and preliminary preamble before we start the prologue. So, we just got back from SatanCon in Boston. And I just wanted to say, hi. Some of you we just met. We met so many great people, answered so many great questions, talked to so many amazing individuals, had some great conversations, and put on an absolutely fantastic panel where we interacted, we laughed, we joked, and we learned some stuff. Some of you are tuning in for the very first time, and again, hi, welcome to The Dispatchist. There's a bunch more in the future, which we actually recorded in the past. Some of you have been listening for quite some time, and some of you didn't get to meet us in Boston, and that's perfectly fine. We'll catch up again next time. For those of you tuning in for the first time, I just wanted to say this because we can. Once again, hi and welcome. And now, here's to us in the past. I had a dream last night that felt me full of fright. I dreamt that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall. Where the devil was giving a ball I checked my coat and hat And started gazing at The merry crowd Who came to witness the show And I must confess to you There were many there I knew Hello, hi At the devil's ball Welcome to Dispatchist A friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff This is Was episode- that an Irish? Oh, poodles I am Jesus. <laughs> Where are the dispatches we I, are? I think the Irish and Poodles both figure into tonight. <laughs> That's right, they do. Mm-hmm. This is episode 62 of the Dispatches. Merry Witchmas. <laughs> so, is that an Irish accent? No, it's not. No, okay. that's just me. I'm, I'm gay. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, he figured this time of year is the best yeah, time to come we, out. Resurrection we, and... Rebirth and all that. We we overly inflect. Uh, with me this week, obviously, are my co-hosts, Victoria. Hello. And Jamin. Hello. And I'm Jacob. Hello. Hello. Hi, uh, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry for the record, <laughs> none of us are Irish. I'm of Irish extraction. And education. And education, indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, so, um... Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Well, we're going to talk about Walpurgis Nacht, which is coming up April 30th through May 1st, or April 30th slash May 1st, because we have May Day and the evening before that is Walpurgis Nacht. Right. So we're occasionally relevant today. Yes. Walpurgis Night is probably 10 days from now when you hear this. Yep, 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 yep. So get ready. Yes. Mark your calendars. Get your pans, pots and pans ready. I don't plan to pronounce it correctly at all, because sometimes it's Walpurgis. I like, yeah. yeah. Whaleburga? Yeah, yeah. the paganified version is Whaleburga, which <laughs> sounds like a frozen whale. It's, it's kind of <laughs> like the Papadon versus Papad. But also Hexenite and Hexenbrunnen. Uh-huh. Yeah, but those are German. Uh, this entire thing is so German. Like, mm-hmm. I had no idea the depth of the German in this particular holiday, but I have learned. I have learned. It's echt Deutsch. I don't think echt is a German word. What is it? I can't recall. I took so many years of German and I've forgotten almost all of it. Oh. 
<laughs> you sound genuinely sad at this <laughs> <laughs> Weren't we supposed to go to the German school together one day, like, two years ago? That fell through. All three of us or y'all? All three I of us. I remember us talking about it, yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, halcyon days. I know. Someday. Before we begin, I've got a tiny bit of hell news. Okay. Oh? I'm not going to dignify the people involved with this with a name or anything like that. It's from Florida. Florida and the local 10 news channel. Florida Republican calls trans people demons and imps during committee meeting. <laughs> with, with a quote. And I just think about this in terms of separation of church and state. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, and all your demons and all of your imps who come to parade before us. Said state representative blank blank, a Republican from the Florida's district. That's right. I called you demons and imps who come and parade before us and pretend you are part of this world. Oh, my God. It's special. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. Like, I feel that this opens doors for a new, I, like, expression, like, form of expression. Because there's the drag show Dragula, which is a drag competition, but with more horror-themed yeah, horror themed I, yeah, I drag. Like, yeah, that's exciting. I've seen some of that. Mm-hmm. Rob Zombie. Uh, yeah, Rob in Zombie. In a dress. Yeah. I'd be thrilled to add demons to the LGBTQ. <laughs> LGBTQID. Yes. I like that. I mean, they are, I mean, they're non-binary. If that's, anybody's non-binary, that, that's, that's demons true. are. That's true. Mm-hmm. And we could say angels are too, so. Yeah. Angels are extra binary. I think they're mostly asexual angels And they're are. mostly eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> that is Eyeballs true. and wings on fire. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did anybody bring anything to the party? Oh, I have a, a shameless plug since it's relevant. Is that okay? Is a shameless plug a type of drink? <laughs> <laughs> it will be now. Bartender, give me a shameless plug. <laughs> Actually, I'd order a shameless plug. Okay, okay so this is the drink that we're going to invent when we have our, our food cart of, uh, what was it? Uh, oh... The punishment that fits the crime. It's that word that we had in Dante. That was going to be the name of our food truck. Do you remember that? What was uh, that word? Yeah, I do remember that, but I don't. It's clearly. <laughs> I don't remember any of this. Okay, well, we can look it up. Maybe you could look it up while I'm doing my shameless plug, but I don't make any money off of this. In fact, I probably lose money because I always bring candy and end up buying people drinks. But my, sh my band has a show on <gasps> May 13th. At the carousel Ooh. here in Austin. So this is strictly for, well, Austin folks and anybody who winds up in Austin on May 13th. And it is a May Day themed show. All understandings of May Day. Oh. Yeah. Neat. So are you going to have three loaves and title it Pan Pan Pan? Uh, that was a May Day joke. Uh, was it? Wow. <laughs> Will you, will, will you play the rock Tempest's rock version of the Furry Day Carol? Oh, I have no idea what that is. What? You oh, may have to well, send that. I'll inflict that on you. Okay, we are doing a, a disco version of Stonehenge. If that nice. pleases what? you, it does. <laughs> so, so come one, come all. Wear your best druid or labor or uh, panicky clothes. So. Did you bring a snack at least, Jamin? Empanadas. Bacon and shrimp empanadas. Ooh, that sounds very tasty, actually. They're very good. And greasy. No, because they're baked. 
Oh. <laughs> Where did the grease go? <laughs> Where did the grease yes. go? It evaporates magically in the hot box. Okay, okay, I believe you. I take this on faith. It I was actually as a side. <laughs> Yay! It's a dipping. <laughs> it's Texas dipping sauce. Yeah, you just you dip the empanadas in the grease. It's delicious. Mm. I was talking with someone from uh, Maryland the other day, and like just the concept of empanada was utterly foreign to them. And I oh. was like, "Oh, when we need to fix this." Like, I'm sure there's something just like it, like pierogies, don't they? Yeah, kind pierogies. Of- yeah. I don't know if you could have bacon and shrimp pierogies. That sounds... Yeah. Yes, you can. What doesn't go better with bacon and shrimp? Chocolate milk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have a... Speaking of milk, Pork. I do have a drink. Oh, oh, no. You do have it. Okay. <laughs> it, nothing, I promise it hasn't. It does not have curdled milk in it. Is it curdled? That was my question. No, nothing is curdled. I apologize. Uh, no, I'll come back to the my my curdled ways again. But okay, so this is this is related to Walpurgis because of a mention in another work of fiction called The Master and Margarita, which I have not read and I desperately need to read. Have, have any of y'all read that? No. So it is. About essentially the devil walking the earth, specifically, it starts out in Moscow and he kind of wreaks havoc. Uh, the character Margarita, he takes her to a celebration of Walpurgis Nacht to kind of like let her be amongst the witches. Yeah. And there's a talking cat in it. But so at the beginning of the book, uh, they're drinking a delicious drink called the Milkarita. <laughs> Pork. <laughs> <laughs> the master and the milkarita. <laughs> this actually sounds delicious. Uh, in the book, they're drinking an apricot soda, but this uh, alcoholic drink is called Calm Before the Storm. Mm-hmm. And it's two shots of Russian vodka, two tablespoons of apricot puree, and soda water. And what you do is you actually make apricot ice cubes to serve the drink over. So oh. the rest of the drink is a mixture of the apricot and the vodka. So you have and the soda. So, um, yeah, you uh, it's very confusing. Um, <laughs> you make a bowl of the ice, and then you uh, the gla- you fill the glass with apricot ice cubes. The bowl is nestled into the top of them and filled with vodka. So you have like a little bowl of ice sitting on the apricot ice cubes, and then vodka on top of it then you fill the whole thing with soda water and let it melt okay so it's kind of it's performance drinking it's performance drinking and very refreshing magical the apricot Mm -hmm. soda actually sounds kind of good it really does Mm -hmm. i feel like if this drink were served in austin it would just be like a a tito's hard snow cone like apricot snow cone with tito's poured over the top I'd drink that. Yeah, it would still I would, sounds really good. I would, uh, yeah, whatever you do to snow, snow, like snow cones, bite it and then get a brain freeze. Well, for our entertainment today, an endlessly weeping gargantuan and awesome devil will beat sinners with an oar, driving them across a boulder-filled river of boiling filth. Wow. So bring popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> you will need uh, a calm before the storm. Oh, right, because it's a calm before the storm. Ooh. Hmm. Apricot doesn't really sound that calming. 
But Russian vodka does sound like a storm. Maybe mm-hmm. if it spoke to you in soothing tones. In Russian. <laughs> There's no. <laughs> are there soothing tones in Russian? <laughs> I know there's a devil, and then there's a, a demon cat. And there's a talking cat. What more and do you need? And then there's a woman named Margarita. This is prime literature. And there's right Walpurgis Knot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we should all read it. It sounds fun. Who's it by? Oh, uh, sorry. Um, it is by. Oh, and there's a cute picture of the kitty. Um, Don't say Dostoevsky. Don't say Dostoevsky. Oh, it is not. No. Okay. No, it is um, Mikhail Bukharov. Bugakov. Hmm. Mikhail Bugakov. Yes. Mm. Oh, so here it is. Uh, the ultimate Walpurgis night party was the one described in the book The Master Margarita by Mikhail Bulgakov, complete with walls of flowers, champagne fountains, an, an ape jazz band, and a guest list of naked dead murderers. Oh, best day ever. <laughs> right. Isn't that just all jazz bands? <laughs> well, did you ever... Y'all, uh, do you know anything about Ernie Kovacs? Oh, the name old, sounds familiar. Old, uh, you know, early, early TV comedian had a show and he had a, yeah. he had a, a, like one of the skits was a band of guys in ape costumes and they would get into kind of slapstick fights. Which is reminiscent of Edgar Allan Poe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. What? <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. You have to look that up, yeah. Jamin. Mm-hmm. Ape costumes. So yeah, our topic this week is Walpurgis Nacht. And I think we picked this up when we were talking about Frau Perkta and Frau Holda and spindles and witches on brooms back in the Epiphany Land. Distaves. Distaves, yes. Distaves. Those pointy-pointy uh-huh. things. So many distaves. All of which will come full circle today. As will many diatribes about uh, Jacob Grimm. Yes. That was a broken sentence. (laughs) So where shall we begin? Um, Jamin, what is your understanding of Walpurgis Night? I'm so glad we started with me because I feel like I have the easiest, simplest, and dumbest understanding. Perfect. My My first introduction to Walpurgis was Ozzy Osbourne. Yes. And the song, War Pigs. And that's all you really need to know. That's really, I mean, and so I was a, you know, young, impressionable man, young, impressionable youth, and Ozzy Osbourne, and he's singing this thing. And of course, this is before the internet. And so we would just tell stories, you know, to each other behind the shed or whatever. And you and Ozzy? Yes. Yeah. He was a great guy. Great guy. I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, there was no internet, so you can't prove me wrong. True. So, War Pigs and the all story. The, all things were true before 1995. It's true. There's no way of checking. There's no, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The War so, Pigs. War Pigs. <laughs> the story goes, and this is probably apocryphal, uh-huh. that the song was originally called Walpurgis. Okay. And of course, everyone's like, ooh, Walpurgis, what a fancy sounding word that is. And it was like, okay. And his producers were like, well, well, Purgis is a bit too witchy for us. Like, let's let's kind of tone it back a bit. And let's just call it War Pigs. And, you know, it's a normal protest song and, you know, stuff and stuff, etc. I was like, okay, whatever Walpurgis is. And it's just this vague understanding that this is a thing that happened over there. Yeah. With 
the witches and the druids and the calendars and the moons and stuff. And I was right. like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's all there was to it for like 30 years. The opening stanza of War Pigs, if you do not know it, it, generals gather at their masses just like witches at black masses. So they rhyme masses with masses? You know, I noticed that and now I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> So I have a question. Yes. So how is, so that was too witchy. However, today we have ghosts singing about kissing the devil's butt. Yes. Are you, are you playing that song on at your show? We are not. I feel like that may be a a bridge too far (laughs) for the rest of the band. Like they've, they've followed me this far on, on, on the journey um, and put up with my nonsense. So that one, it pushed them over the edge. Can you sing War Pigs? Like, it's a pretty attainable song. But it's like 12 minutes. No, cut it short. <laughs> oh, and, and do like a postmodern, a postmodern jukebox version where you kind of do some Charleston in there as well? Ooh. Yeah, I bet we could rearrange it. I mean, if Charleston we're gonna... And their little Sabbath? hoofs that go tickety tick 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 like a tap. Aww. <laughs> like a like a make it kind of Christmassy like jing like jingle bells. Jing, jing, yeah, jing, yeah, it'd be so charming. Jing, jing. Uh, Walburgus okay. night <laughs> is the April thirtieth celebration of well, no, is the May first celebration of the canonization of Saint Walperga, who in like the seven hundreds was the first woman to take up. The call to missionary work in Germany issued by Pope Boniface. And that's yes. Latin for Pope Goodface, right? It is. Happy happy face. <laughs> happy face, right. It's just this big yellow disc. <laughs> oh, speaking of Latin, I remembered the word, the name of our, our, our food, food truck. truck. Yes. Contrapasso. Right. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Right. Contrapasso. Uh, you may continue. Contrapesto. Which is not where the story begins, because the story more likely begins with May Day celebrations and kind of the spring rites and things like that. Feasts of agriculture, animal husbandry, and alcohol. Maples and the wedding, the sacred union of the sky god and the earth goddess. So, yeah, so there's an association with fertility for grain, grain goddesses. Yes, yes. And also there's a practical application of this is when you're moving the livestock to the fields and so you need to have these bonfires to scare off any predators so it's kind of yeah useful useful side effect Mm -hmm. also the alcohol serves the practical effect of ensuring fertility for the next few months and loudness to scare off evil (laughs) well and the whole thing is very apotropaic as well um this is a chance to drive off evil with bonfires and dances and shouting and things like that um, a common common theme. What about the maypole? Oh, well, that's a penis. I feel like we'll talk. Oh, you just gave it away. <laughs> Sorry, did I? Okay, you can erase that. No, so you've okay. got twenty children. Half of them going Wittershins, Half of them going Turnwise. All of them with a ribbon. Yes, mm-hmm. and they're making intricate designs. Yes, mm-hmm. on the village penis. Mm-hmm. Yes. You Why am I not pagan? I I I've asked that question on a regular basis. It, the, the, the maypole symbolizes again the union of sky god and earth goddess. Uh, assuming you've had your um, golden bow sauce this week, schnapps. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Golden, golden bow, bow sauce. sauce. I just it. got that schnapps. Ah! 
but there's a lot of kind of intricate like spring ritual stuff that's tied up in other spring rituals and it's one of those cases where the church didn't i don't wouldn't say the church sanitized <coughs> the celebration that came before it but it gave permission for christians to keep doing the fun things they've been doing for the last several hundred years now that well, they were christian I mean- it's the first, well, it's not the first day of spring, but it's the spring, it's, it's the spring mid, opener. It's, it's the midpoint between winter and, yeah, it's the midpoint between winter and summer's first days. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a chance to get out and, and stretch your legs and yeah, drink the and, golden bow sauce. And this is Germany where we, they have different seasons than we do, as we don't have seasons at all. Yeah. I um, hear they have up to, up to and including four. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. So it's, it's a safe distance from winter. We're not going to have any major snowfalls to interrupt the ceremony. That's a plus. But it's still a good chance to say goodbye to winter. How does it go? Summer is it coming in. Lord Singuku. Just like witches <laughs> at their masses. And also, uh, it's exactly six months from <laughs> Samhain, which is also important. Right. Is, yeah, the, the fall bit. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And Samhain, as, as we all know in our... our, our ancestral pagan roots is one of those times when the walls between the worlds are at their thinnest and all sorts of strange beasties can break through. And that is also the case with Walpurgis Night, which has become over the centuries a massive celebration of witches. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not, not, not like pretty witches, but like with the hooked nose and things like that. No, they're important. The crones. Yeah, no, crones I totally agree. Important. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're part of the thing. Um, and, mm-hmm. and Germany has a really solid witch tradition as well. So, uh, again, I was kind of surprised at how extremely German-centric this is, because Walpurga was a German saint, or a saint that moved from England to Germany to, to take up the call of converting people to Christianity there. And a lot of the stories of it come from the, like, 50-mile circle where Jacob Grimm did a lot of his his research. Oh, actually, the story of Rapunzel is from... This castle in Germany that's like within spitting distance of the center of Walpurgis activity. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. What's the what's the Rapunzel? So Wernigerode Castle is in the Harz Mountain Range, and according to a great many people, the tallest peak in the Harz Mountain Range, Mount Brocken, is where devils landed and. Led these amazing Black Sabbath orgy parties with witches, and they got all their spells together and started blighting the crops and things like that. It's like the hub and center of the entire Black Mass story, Mount Brocken in Germany. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and we have we have a lot. Well, we have some to say about Mount Brocken, but have you explained why we celebrate Saint? Why why that's her feast day? Why, no, I haven't. Why? Oh, because, allegedly, <laughs> this was the day that she was canonized and her relics were moved to their current, or, oh, yeah, yeah. It's their, their current home. Is it uh, I'm, uh, I- Eichstoff? I think that's right. Yeah, Eichstoff, Eichstoff. which is in Bavaria. Mm-hmm. Did, did she have anything to do with witches, actually? Um, I think just the converting pagans to Christianity okay. uh, was enough. And I so, mean, yeah. She did cure whooping cough. <laughs> right. She did <laughs> do that with, with, with the power of prayer. It, does, uh-huh. it seems like most of her association with witches and banishing witches is 
purely because of this April 30th, May 1st thing where she absorbed Mm -hmm. all of the energy from May Day. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned Halloween being, or Samhain being six months before. And Walpurgis Night is kind of the other end of the year from that. So Samhain is this kind of acknowledging the darkness that's coming, looking forward to the long night, that sort of thing. It's the beginning of the cold period. It's the kind of the beginning of winter and the annual death of the of the earth and things like that. And so it's a time of, of dark and, and, and gloom and bad in some ways. This being a, a renewal celebration, a spring celebration, part of Walpurgis' story and the rituals of this Beltane May Day celebration is that you're banishing all the gloom of the last six months, kind of starting, you know, wiping things clean with this big celebratory exorcism, which also kind of acknowledges the dark side as well, but mm-hmm. chases it away. So Walpurgis Night before is kind of the final hurrah for the devil. Yes. Ha- yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Night on Bald Mountain in Fantasia? Yes. Right? Uh-huh. So yeah. the, the big scene with the devil and all the mm-hmm. all the like madness and craziness, and then it cuts to a um a liturgical presentation. It's kind of that energy, but more fun. Isn't Bald right, Mountain like- actually a a thing that we're gonna talk about? Um outside of Fantasia? Or not bald in the, mountains. Not in a big way, only that it's an echo of it, because like the idea of this devilish mountain is kind of partakes of Walpurgis mm-hmm. and this or Walpurgis Night, and the story is kind of similar to the animation and the original piece of music. But I think the resemblance may end there is a Russian mountain for one. Oh, is it? Yes. It yeah. Is. I have a couple of other places where witches and the devil party that are sim- that are related. So let's go back to spring and fall. Real okay. Quick. And again, so they're they're both kind of the the twilighting. They're both the seasons things. They're both the, but they're liminal. Oh, that's exactly the word. Mm-hmm. Got to got to drop that one in every possible opportunity. Liminal. Um, they're liminal. So the you've got spring and fall. The fall Samhain celebration is the preparing. Right, you're you're curing your hams, you're pickling your eggs, you're putting your beets in jars, you're putting your potatoes in cool, dry places. Yeah. Because you need to prepare to survive the winter. Yeah, there's some harvest stuff going on and, and some... The, the last, this is the last bit of revelry before we have to be responsible and make everything last through the winter, right? And this is the exact opposite is which we no longer have to prepare, we no longer have to hoard, we no longer have to ration out our potatoes. We can just, you know, have spring. If you see it, eat it. If you see it, drink it. If she's cute, dance with her. Right? This is spring. Yeah. So the the prior celebration is like, let's have as much fun as we can before we have to be responsible. And then it's like, we've been responsible for the entire dark of the winter. Let's wrap this maypole. I Yeah. I feel like yeah. I feel like we got it right there. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Why and fewer, fewer monsters, too. Actually, all the monsters are clustered on the new year. So there's that. That is true, yeah. But we do have some monsters here. Or is it the whooping cough? No, it's <laughs> hellhounds. Yes, what? I was very excited about the hellhounds. Did I miss mm-hmm. a hellhound? Yeah, there's a hellhound, hellhound. and and reasons for the hellhounds too. So they're so they're ghost doggos associated with Walpurgis Night. So the devil himself takes the form of black dog. That's that's a known thing, particularly around this time of year. Mm-hmm. But also there are ghost dogs that can come through the area at night and uh, the best way to keep them away is with an offering of bread and butter and honey. Mm. 
honey honey butter bread honey butter bread yeah what Bye. is i don't know how to pronounce the name of it ankenschnitt ah yes ankenschnitt ankenschnitt honey butter this, bread you leave this on your front porch and it keeps away the phantom hounds you can take it inside and feed it to your relatives as well but one i thought this was kind of uh, so the honey and bread offering to to underworld dogs very Kerberos. Yes. Traditional, uh-huh. The traditional offering to Kerberos and way to lull him to sleep is a, a honey barley cake. Mm. Or possibly baklava. Oh. Ooh. That's even better. <laughs> I, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and there's a lot of connections between Walpurga and Devil Dogs and the Wild Hunt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And shall we unpack that now? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. And, and we can unpack that now. Okay. German goddesses are often, they often have dogs. Like, that is a thing. Frau Perkstra is the poodle mother. Okay. And the Norns all had greyhounds. And so this this kind of pairing of god and dog companion, it's a palindrome, god dog. <laughs> Actually, I don't know how it works in German. Probably it doesn't. Got the hund, hund got. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally a palindrome. Yeah. And and <laughs> and with with no like solid saint legend reason, Walpurga's symbolism set involves a dog. And she's kind of seen as having a dog in her iconography. There's no reason for it. That's not in her story, but it is a very common feature of German goddesses and kind of points to the slow secretization of Walpurga and Perkta. Mm-hmm. Or Holda. Mm-hmm. I mean they're the same thing anyway. Mm-hmm. Something I think we touched on that months ago with the distaff, didn't we? We did. And also, she is associated with, she's often shown, or she's associated with wheat, too. Oh, yeah. Harvest and grain. Is that a... Yeah. Okay. So, that brings us to, is it Demeter? Who and oh, how did she Persephone? get to Germany? Oh, just if you're thinking about... Over the Alps. You know, right. Greater, okay, yeah. greater connections. That, that makes but, sense. Um, but also, uh, there's an art historian, Pamela Berger, who notes that Hi, Pamela. Um, this, this, the cult is related to these agrarian goddesses, specifically the grain mother mm-hmm. um, or the corn mother, which is represented in these celebrations by a little corn, like a husk doll. Oh, the Walpurga doll. Yes. Uh-huh. Which is traditionally what? given to lazy husbands. Yes, so you get the doll, and and also the uh, spirit, once you harvest the grain, which in German is just like every grain is called corn, essentially, like that's kind of the generic catch-all. The spirits don't have anywhere to go, so they live in these little dolls. Oh. And then when time comes to replant, you plow them into the earth oh. to, to put the spirits back into the, oh, the grain. Oh, very John Barleycorn. I love it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, I don't want to get away from dogs yet, but there is a great inversion here because you give the Walpurga dolls to lazy husbands who haven't plowed the fields during the day in May, but in the winter you give them to the young ladies who haven't done all their spinning. So you get a gender flip flop here. Ooh, yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that brings us back to the weaving, the distaff. Yes, and mm-hmm. Walpurga is shown to have a distaff, which. Probably doesn't fit her legend at all. She's actually like a, a doctor and an author more mm-hmm. than anything else. But yeah, she gets a distaff. And I want to talk about that for a moment. 
Nine nights before the 1st of May is Walpurga in flight, unceasingly chased by wild ghosts and seeking a hiding place from village to village. People leave their windows open so she can be safe behind the cross-shaped window panes, safe from her roaring enemies. She lays a little gold piece on the windowsill for her safety and then flees further. A farmer who saw her on flight through the woods described her as a white lady with long flowing hair, a crown on her head. Her shoes are fiery gold in her hands. She carried a three-cornered mirror that showed the future and a spindle. Huh. A, troop of, a troop of white riders exerted themselves to capture her. So also another farmer saw her, whom she begged to hide her in a shock of grain. No sooner was she hidden than the riders rushed by overhead. The next morning, this farmer found grains of gold instead of rye in his grain stuff. And thereafter, the saint is portrayed with a bundle of grain. That's very German. Like, oh no, something happened and something turned to gold? Well, yeah. Yeah, and Rumpelstiltskin also comes from this region. That, Mm -hmm. that, that, that zip Yeah. But a neat thing about this is another inversion. Because in every other story of a goddess or god in the wild hunt, they're leading the hunt. They're, they're mm-hmm. you know, controlling the hounds, controlling the death knights or whatever. In this one, Walpurga is fleeing from the wild hunt. She's the prey. She's pursued. And this kind of makes sense because now we're in the light side, not the dark side. And she's not a part of the dark. She runs away from the dark and towards the dark. Mm-hmm. But she's not a part of its world. And I really like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Because I thought the dogs were just there to, like, wreak havoc on the people. But there's this greater connection. Yeah, I think they just break through whenever they... Well, Walpurgis Night has its share of, like, vampires and werewolves and beasties and fairies all over the place. It's not just witches. It's where, like, all the stuff breaks loose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's all kinds of critters that you have to watch out for. Um, shapeshifters. In, in fact, like, one of the Beltane traditions or sort of a May tradition in Celtic world is to kill rabbits because they're shapeshifters. And so you don't... You don't want them to suddenly come out, you know. Are rabbits shapeshifters? I think they're puka, but everything's they're puka. puka. Everything is puka. <laughs> is it? Is it one of those things you just like, one day there's a rabbit in your backyard, and the next day there's Hassenpfeffer in your kitchen? Like, how did that even happen? It must be magic. <laughs> I think that is. I think so. Yeah. So there's a lot of things to, to unpack here. So distaffs brooms yes right yeah and oh and all sorts of broom stuff in may day you you hop over the brooms to celebrate things and brooms are symbolic of weddings and things like that so my favorite walpurgis broom story this is tied to the um the witch's dance floor hexen plots which is a big plateau in the hearts mountains somewhere one story tied to it is that this is a place where pagans celebrated the forest and mountain goddesses uh particularly in march and the Christian Franks drove them off, but in one legend, when the Christians were keeping guard at night, they were chased off by Saxons dressed as witches and riding on broomsticks. It happens. Oh. Yeah. In my, I'm seeing Braveheart, but with broomsticks in my head right now, which is wildly <laughs> inaccurate, but it is what I see in my head. <laughs> Sweeping. <laughs> Sorry. So we, we're moving into to witches, right? Sure. Let's. And so, why are why are witches such a thing in Germany? They're just all over the the lore of the, the fairy tales and folk tales in the area. I don't know why they're so strong, except that there was probably a robust religious tradition that was there before the Christians swept in and semi demonized everything, um, which can create witches and demons and imps and monsters and things like that. 
Well, mm-hmm. the whole, like, the crone, the hag, kind of the Russian, like, Baba Yaga, the, the matriarch, who was not glamorous in the slightest, right? She was capable, she was useful, she could brew, she could bake, she could heal, she could mend the wounds, and she could sew. She was just ugly as, like, hit upside the face with the ugly stick twice. But useful. Like, a genuinely important part of society was your grandmother. Until about the 15th century. When they invented push-up bras. And they invented really awful <laughs> witch hunts. <laughs> I was just just looking at an article, uh, Germany, the mother of witches, that says that about half the women and men ever executed for witchcraft were German. Yeah. So they have the yeah. worst history for, what was it? They, they took like 50,000. Well, the numbers are, the numbers are all over the place because in some places it's like, 50,000 le- like legal cases of witchcraft, like 42,000 of the women, or, uh, you know, it was children and men too, but mostly women were killed. Any coincidence that the Protestant Reformation kicked off in 1517 in Germany? Oh, gosh. I, I, I wonder, wonder. What's the connection? Is yeah. there one? Surely not. And then some people have it in, well, this is sort of worldwide, like uh, 100,000. Some people have it even in the millions. Yeah. But the millions has been debunked, but it's somewhere like, because the records, it's hard to, you know, the records are, how do you, how do you keep these records? Because in some cases they were not recorded. And this article, Germany, the mother of witches says 25,000 people were executed in, in the witch hunts. One very famous witch hunter figure is the author of the Malice Maleficarum himself, Kramer, mm-hmm. uh, Heinrich yep. Kramer. He's, he's a, he's, he's from Germany. He's from this, this region. So there's clearly something in the air. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to your point, Jamin, about, you know, old women, they were also the ones who had no protection because they were often single, living alone, you know, didn't have, in some cases, didn't have family. So they were the ones most likely to, or but they also owned property. So they'd hit you with their distaff. What do you mean no protection? Ouch! And then Ouch. hitting hitting men with your distaff also gets you branded as a witch. <laughs> Turns out, yeah, that's hard. Only this one simple trick to get branded as a witch. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to your point, also, Jamin, that all these superstitions had been accepted as part of the part of the culture, but then Reformation came along and. There was a big push against uh, anything that seemed like witchcraft or pagan beliefs. And publishing, the advent of publishing, especially broadside publishing, spread this information in Germany. We haven't talked about the Danish Law Code of 1521. Not recently, no. Because <laughs> this goes in with like the papal bulls against witchcraft and things like that. This law code observed that uh, witches are most active at holy times, such as Monday, Thursday, and Walpurgisnacht, and that they uh, spend more time on these days than other times during the year getting up to their witchy business. So there were patrols, like in 1579, uh, the town council of Mitterteich, Bavaria, ordered they had a patrol, quote, in expectation of such people, but nothing happened. And then in a Swedish village in 1727, youths gathered under the window of a suspected witch on Walpurgisnacht to chant, Our Lord, free us from this evil troll. 
So there was an assumption also that, yeah, the witches would be out and about on these specific nights, not just because of the pagan festivals that happen, but because, again, like in this perversion of holy days, they would be out to wreak havoc. I suspect the more you look for witches, the more you find witches. Yes, I think that's probably the case. Sad but but true. Is there a witch under the table? (laughs) I can't remember if it's Iceland or Finland, but most of the people accused of witchcraft were male. That sounds like Finland. That's nice. Mm -hmm. So there's some gender parity there. Uh, the, the, The witchcraft gap has been redeemed there yeah I, th- I think that over the last 200 years um you know one of the things about the enlightenment period is that the supernatural becomes kind of quaint and whimsical and yep. germany very seriously embraced their witch traditions along with the the grimification of their their lore mm-hmm. and now 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 witches are just like you know part of the part of the backdrop there yeah and there's all the witch tourism <laughs> yeah now Mm-hmm. So is it fair to say that witches have become kind of a cottage industry? Yeah, it seems. I mean, I think that all began with uh, pilgrimages to saint sites and to see relics and to see to uh, gather the oil <laughs> exuded from particular saints. I was um, distressed by the idea of leaking saints. <laughs> I feel like it's been overrepresented, but some of the words there, the vocabulary is great. Mm-hmm. Leaping, leaking saints are called myroblites. <gasps> Which is like, aren't I, I, all I could think about were cenobites. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I knew, I knew yeah, you yeah. were going straight I think to cenobites. If you, yeah, like, yeah. It's all the pins stuck in their faces that, you know, kind of like a maple tree. Like mm-hmm. that's how you get them to, <laughs> to sweat oil. oil. <laughs> the ex- act of exuding oil is microblasia. I had no idea. I was so excited to learn those words. And Oleum Martyris. It's the oil of <laughs> martyrs. Which, as it happens, a chemical analysis says is water. Yeah, all of them seem to be water, but that's they supposedly poorly... have the scent of sanctity. Well, yeah, everything does. I think that's really poorly named, but I guess the water of saints sounds a little bit more disgusting <laughs> and less, less holy. The category of oil-yielding saints is the Eleafori. <laughs> <laughs> which is i had no idea that there was a word for that and it, it made me wonder like so she's not a martyr but no but she is the top of the list of aleophory like she's is the a, number yeah. one and so it's not necessarily her sweating the oil you know the jury is out on this like uh-huh. i see descriptions saying that she exudes this precious oil from her body her, her, her dead body, yeah, and in particular her breasts. But then another paragraph I see, although it's really collected from the rocks underneath her, uh, or the rocks near her shrine, which is a lot more believable. Like artisanal well is easier for me to handle than endlessly oil linking saint corpse. Yeah, I think so. And also, uh, if you live in a place or in a <laughs> in a time period where water's not so clean. Spring water would have the scent of sanctity about it because it would just be fresh and clean. I could, I could imagine that. The scent of mm-hmm. sanctity is kind of a trademark term, really. It's like the you could tell something was good because it exuded the odor of sanctity. That's usually saying it's not rotten. Yeah, the scent right. of 
the scent of clean is nothing. Like, right. smell this. Mm -hmm. It doesn't smell like maggots. It must be good. <laughs> it's like the Febreze of holiness. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, one one thing that made the that made this kind of powerful is the idea of the sacramentals, which are like bits of holy magic that people can hold can hold in their hands, common mm -hmm. people. So that probably raised her profile in terms of like popular local saint story. Yeah, and I I love this stuff. Like one of my fascinations is saint relics, uh -huh. and yeah, the, this this whole tourism industry essentially built up around it like canterbury tales is all about that also the fact that there were so many fake relics <laughs> because you know you would have like i don't know how many how many you'd have like seven femurs for one saint all in various <laughs> locations it's a miracle <laughs> you know so i love that whole that whole idea and the whole kind of industry that sprung up around Saint relics and these holy wells and weeping, weeping statues and whatnot. Then on the other hand, Mount Brockton is like one of the highest points in northern Germany. And it sounds like a really magical place, even ignoring all of the witchery around it. It's foggy and misty 300 days of the year and, you know, has a lot of like big storms and things like that, too. A, a fairly low mountain, like it's less than a mile tall. Mm -hmm. But it has a, a frosted ice cap and the the illusion, the phantom. I mean, that sounds just amazing. The the Brockton Phantom. Mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. It's the Brocken uh Brocken Spectre. Right, right. So mm -hmm. this this is the idea that like if the sun is behind you, your shadow is cast into the mists and becomes like this strange giant thing surrounded by like a, a rainbow aura. Oh. Yeah. The, I've seen that. IRL? I mean like from an airplane. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so you see the airplane on the at having that same spectral. So it's like if the sun is directly behind you and the clouds are out the window, that it does a thing. It's magical. Mm. Yeah, but but you can see it at ground level in the 1500s. Yeah, and, and the general name for that, like the Wikipedia article, is the Brock Inspector. Mm -hmm. So it's named after this region. And it just sounds kind of amazing. I mean, you could see folklore just kind of building up around this from the mist and fog and such. And one suggestion as to why there's so many pagan links here is that this place is, you know, kind of far away but close and shrouded from view and is a good place to escape the, the Christian forces that might be trying to stomp down your religion. Mm -hmm. I can, I can mm -hmm. believe that. Besides the fact that it's like a, a really kind of uh, granite, craggy, mountainy area with like a giant split mountain and fields of boulders and things like that, and lots of, like, piles of rocks in strange ways. I mean, it's kind of, it sounds supernatural, just out of the box. So, two of the the features are the Teufelsconsel, the Devil's Pulpit, and the Hexenaltar, the Witch's Altar. Yeah, they look like piles of rocks. <laughs> I mean, they do. <laughs> so, this is, like, the heart of, like, Witch Sabbath Central Land. And where the devil came to preach to his flock on, mm -hmm. on Walpurgis Night. And, of course, witches are just extremely active on Walpurgis Night anyway. But the Brocken coven, the Brocken site, is where the big witches came. It's like the center of the entire, like, aerial devilry display thing. Right. <laughs> it's like Top Gun, but for witches. Right, 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 right. Mm -hmm. So, the whole idea of 
this wasn't this set in um by or in the Blocksburg Blocksburg performance by Johannes Pretorius? Did you read anything about Johannes Pretorius? Uh I just left myself a note that says Johannes Pretorius here. And I have nothing else to say about that except that this kind of was like the beginning of a Sabbath myth, but probably not the beginning yep. of the supernatural tie-ins. No, no, but it was the beginning of the Sabbath myth, uh, 1668. But um, that's like placing the Sabbath on uh, at the Brocken. Um, and his book included illustrations, kind of, you know, again, sort of those really body illustration showing, you know, like at the center, like there's a goat and everybody seems to be worshiping the goat. And there's all kinds of, you know, kind of naughty frolicking going on. Oh yeah, so there's some, into that. I'm seeing some yeah. frolicking there. That's there's some serious frolicking. Yeah, um, but this also feeds into one of uh, a very famous author, Johannes Wolfgang von Goethe. Oh, what did he do? <laughs> so, <laughs> so he wrote Faust, right? He wrote Faust, uh huh. And so Faust, there's several Walpurgis Nacht scenes in Faust. But he didn't invent Faust because Faust was a grimoirist from, yes. from Germany. Yeah, there's an actual Faust, or maybe there were a couple of Faustes. Yeah. And um, he's not the only person to write about Faust as well. Um, but yeah, so uh, there's a scene that takes place at the very like early in, I think the part one is actually called Walpurgis Nacht, but um, where the devil takes a grieving Faust to the witch's Sabbath to kind of cheer him up or he goes to, he goes and he meets the devil there, but also, and then the devil follows him home in the form of a goat, a cat. You're Oh, we mentioned a priest. this earlier. <laughs> a goat priest, cat wait, priest. Was it a three rabbit? goats in a priest's robe. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> three goats in a priest's robe. No, imagine if a priest walked on all fours and had curly hair and was hypoallergenic. A poodle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was the hypoallergenic that really tells me it's not a real priest. <laughs> Now to the Brocken, the witches ride, the stubble is gold, and the corn is green. This is the carnival crew to be seen, and Squire Uranus will come to her side. So over the valleys, our company floats with witches a-farting on stinky old goats. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. <laughs> yeah, so he kind of added to the Walpurgis Brocken connection and probably like spread it across all of Europe in a in a big way because like that play was was. Not unpopular. No, it's wildly popular. Yeah. As a matter of fact, this, my background image is an image of the Brocken from Faust. It is adorable. We'll have to put that in our show notes. Mm -hmm. I haven't Indeed. done show notes in over a month. But also it figures in I'm still looking. I'm still looking at the Praetorius picture and the witch is giving the devil a hand job. <laughs> Wait, what? Do you, have, do you have a magnifying glass? <laughs> Are you just zooming way in? Wikipedia has like a, a goat in the center and stuff going on. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention. Wiki has a very high res <laughs> image and it's distracting me because there's a lot of goat men. <laughs> Awful lot of goat men. Oh. I'm zoomed in. I don't see anything lewd. You're not well, looking right. Oh, that You're not is, Jake. <laughs> he is. I don't know what he's doing. When properly viewed, anything is lewd. That's, that's fair. <laughs> It's like the 34th oh. rule of the internet. 
Okay, so another another pro- another product for our expanding line of products oh, no. is a Where's Waldo ish series of prints called Where's Satan? Where's Waldo in the Black Sabbath? I, <laughs> I, I am madly yeah. in love with this concept. So we get all these pictures, all of these like really, you know, kind of uh, <laughs> all the witches, all the witches are lined up to kiss Waldo's butt. Oh god! <laughs> oh, copyright infringement! Here we come. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, showed up in a lot of places. Dracula. Oh, uh, Walpurgis mm-hmm. Night was when, according to the belief of millions of people, the devil was all abroad. When the graves were opened, the dead came forth and walked. When all evil things of earth and air and water held revel. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure it shows up in a gazillion video games too oh yeah absolutely. role-playing games no totally i have to tell you i was annoyed i don't google man um google. i could not find anything about hexanoct because everything that came up had to do with a perfume company oh that's odd oh yeah i think i think my google's broken <laughs> but i couldn't i had a really hard time finding anything that was specifically about hexanon well, i think that's 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 this that's walpurgis night it's a synonym i think i was hoping that i would find something else you oh. know just doing a deeper dive getting a little bit getting some fresh fresh intel but it's not it wasn't happening um so anywho there are a couple of other places that are places where witches party that are in this part of the world oh but also, there has been a debunking of all of this stuff happening in the Brocken. No actual witches? <laughs> no. No. Uh, so, let's see. <laughs> okay. So, do, 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 do. Um, where did I see this? Oh, but anyway, I will uh, I'll just say that um, because of... The confessions, this is based on confessions and records of the witch trials. Right. That everything Sabath was. Yeah. And and so the Bracken was not mentioned. In fact, it was more like typically like meadows, fields and <clears throat> meadows were places where the Sabbaths would happen according to these confessions and uh, records of the trials. Do with that what you will. I mean, I never really expected there to be actual witches flying down from the skies on these things. And even I think the witch hunters acknowledged this was what sometimes a spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, there's other supernatural stuff with the Brocken as well. Mm-hmm. The, um, like someone found a portrait of Odin on the mountain in like 1179. And I don't yes. know whether this is like a framed portrait or like Odin carved into the mountain. Probably the latter, but I'm holding on to the former. I, I imagine like this oil painting, yeah, I do. Know, like a big gold frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How um, well, yeah, this is the site of like a lot of Saxon animal and human sacrifices and things like that. And they're, the, the, the whole witch thing is kind of predicated on there being a Saxon pagan tradition in this region beforehand. And, you know, it may not have been specifically like all these pagans stacked up on Mount Brocken, but they were maybe chased out or converted in, in as the uh, Christians swept over the area, which, which, which is a thing. You know, the portrait, maybe it was a wedding gift. Assuming, because... assuming it was framed. <laughs> assuming it was framed. 
It was a wedding gift because it was also uh, supposedly on the plateau or the peak of the Brocken that on uh, April 30th or Walpurgisnacht, Odin or Wotan married Freya. Right. Okay. And also later on, Holda married the sun god. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Sacred wedding. It's a thing. I I have another connection to or specious, specious connection to Odin. To mention a little later. He really gets around. <laughs> he does. He, <laughs> he, really, he kind of really does, does, like all over. Mm-hmm. Can I mention just quickly a few other places? Yeah. That are fun. So we've got the Brocken, of course. But we also talked about bald mountains. Yes. Um, you have to have a flat space to have your uh, parties. But there's several. Uh, there's Lysagora in Poland and Lysahora in Zamkova Hora um, that are in uh, Ukraine. But some of the other big ones where Walpurgis Nacht is celebrated are uh, there's Blockula in Sweden. And so this is actually an island. Blockula? Block- <laughs> I know. I thought, like, is that real? But it is. It is. And it's an island where witches go and they take stolen children with them and uh, they bring the children to party with the devil with them. So I guess they're party favors. Yay. Oh, but you have to fly there um, and you can use goats or other animals, fence posts, spits or the bodies of sleeping men. And sometimes the spits are attached to the animals if you need more room or maybe the sleeping men, too, if you need more room to carry more witches. Sleeping men Um, are actually very aerodynamic. And, and it's funny because yeah, <laughs> they really are efficient at high speed. And maybe the snoring kind of propels you. <laughs> yes. But some of the descriptions say they would kind of leave. So it's a big meadow that they would meet in, this sort of endless meadow with a large house. And that's where the devil would stay. But they would just kind of leave the men outside the gate like they're, you know, the little lime scooters. <laughs> and... So the devil would show up in a gray coat and red and blue stockings. He had a red beard and a high-crowned hat, and he had long garters upon his stockings. But it, this plays a big part. This place plays a big part in the witch hunts described in Joseph Glanville's uh, 1682 work, Satisismus Triumphatus, uh, which talks about the Mora witch trials. It's also the same place as the island Bla Jungfren, which was called originally Blackula, and that's another place where witches have traditionally gathered. Didn't we talk about that one? There's a there's a, a labyrinth on that one, right? This one, I don't see a labyrinth. Because it's, it's, La Jungfront is, we've talked about this one just recently. La Jungfront? So it's, so the, the name is used by sailors to avoid provoking the evil spirits who live on the island. And um, so, yeah, that's where witches meet on Monday Thursday. I think we've talked about a different. Uh, yeah, uh, Monday Thursday we talked about. Mm-hmm. This, yeah, this was where the Easter witches went, and they'd fly over on the goats. Yeah, yeah, and so this also like today in Sweden and parts of Finland. This is on Easter. Children dress as witches. This goes back into the whole tourism aspect of things, and they essentially go trick or treating. But then there's a place in Finland. Kjopalanburi, which I cannot say, but this is uh, a place haunted by dead women. So it's rumored that virgins who die young gather there after their death and at the start of their afterlife. And 
So it is it corresponds to Blockula in Swedish mythology, but it's associated with. I, it, I, have you ever heard the phrase "witch apathetic beliefs"? Witch apathetic beliefs. No, yeah, I haven't. No. I haven't either. So it seems like you wouldn't have a witch trial if you're apathetic about witches, right? Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Like witches have to be the bad guy, and that's that's strongly tied to like Christian sense of self persecution. Okay. So. So you could not. Also- yeah, you could not care about witches, or or have like the wise woman tradition still be kind of active. It takes okay. it takes an outside force to really make people like jump and run about the concept of witches, considering they like don't really exist in that way. Right. So yeah, this is also associated with witch trials, uh-huh. but it's kind of a newer place. A new. It was mentioned more recently than the 17th century. Can I read a chap a bit from Glanville's Seducimus Triumphatus? Yes. Because mm-hmm. I have a hard time if it's if it's. Prurient, I have a hard time passing it up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, prurient away. Those of Elfdale confess the devil used to play upon a harp before them, and afterwards to go with them that he liked best into a chamber where he committed venerous acts with them. And this indeed all confessed. They had carnal knowledge of them, and that the devil had sons and daughters by them, which he did marry together, and they did couple together and brought forth toads and serpents. Oh my gosh, this actually... I, I, I did read that and left it out because I have taste. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> Love you. No. Love you too. <laughs> I'm kidding. Wow. No, I almost put it in. Um, But the Atlas Obscura article that I read about witch tourism in Germany talked about a specific museum where they have these dioramas <gasps> of, yeah, witch, witch dioramas. And one of them is of the devil and a witch uh, in a living room. Uh, with their little demon children playing on the floor. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. <laughs> so, uh, so it's it must be real if it's in diorama form. Because <laughs> why else would you make a diorama? But okay, so this is the place, uh, Jamin, that you were mentioning, this Finnish place. Uh, because again, on Easter, it's the it's where the witches fly on their brooms with black cats. And um, they <laughs> they they spook children on Easter, so that's one of the Easter activities around there. The story about these witches they are uh, often considered to be the spinsters who who uh, have ended up there because they refuse to pay the old maid tax. That's so hard. Of, There's an old maid tax. There's a little bit. You of just can't escape the patriarchy. misogyny. <laughs> yeah, but there's another place called Satria. Um, which is, this is the one that I was trying to remember where the, one of the witches, when they had their Sabbath, one dance too long, it was morning and she couldn't find her broom. So she ran around saying, where's my satra, which means a twig from a broom. So there are all these places that are associated with Easter, with Walpurgisnacht in the whole sort of German East German, I mean, East, Eastern European world or Nordic world. And see, okay, so here's the thing. If we look at Christianity geographically and how it kind of spread out and the Romans help, right? Mm-hmm. Norway, Scandinavia, like Norway, Sweden, Finland, they're kind of far away from geographic, like Christian ground zero. Yeah. Right? So we've got these Easter traditions, like, 
which, I mean, they're sure they're syncretized in, but how did we get north so far and so hard? Like, well, how did Easter... in seven in 730, this <laughs> Pope Boniface encouraged people to take missionary trips to Germany, and one of the first people to take him up on that was St. Wolfga. So you're saying this one lady and her whooping cough syrup. I'm saying she was the first woman to take this journey, mm-hmm. and she brought a lot of women with her. Mm-hmm. Her, yeah. yeah. And all of her family her is saints, too. Squad. So, like, they're probably, her, like, her. the whole whole saint mm-hmm. clan going up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm squad. saying. Okay. And that kind of fits the timetable, because, like, the Irish conversion was all, like, 600-ish yep. or so. So you can kind of see the flow going northward. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, where do we go from here? I would love to see, like, live and in person, the current Walkerberger celebrations, because they sound amazing. Uh, I've got a video of it, and you can see all these fantastic witches bopping around and dancing and doing, like, big musical numbers and things like that. And all of the, like, goth DJs show up. It sounds like like metal band cover heaven. Um, all on Mount Brocken on April 30th and May 1st. And there's a huge bonfire and kind of a symbolic exorcism of the land for the next year. It just sounds like a wonderful modern feel-good paganism reenactment celebration. And I mean, that and the like Krampus loft from six months ago, mm-hmm. it just this region has so, so much interactive folklore still alive. It's so neat. There's still some some dark things that happen. Oh yeah, <laughs> like in the Czech Republic, uh, they uh, still burn effigies, or they they yeah they they often burn witch effigies or figures. And when the smoke uh, becomes like really dense and black and kind of creates like forms, then everybody cheers that it's a witch flying away. Hmm. But also disturbingly. <laughs> There's also uh, at midnight, folks find cherry trees and blossom, and young women are kissed under them so that they do not, quote, dry up in the next year. Yes. I don't know if they mean the tree or the women, but it's, <laughs> it's gross. I think I know what that implies, but. Um, Kirsch. Yeah, that's. Kirsch. Kirsch, yes. Kirsch. <laughs> um, but lots of, yeah, partying. It seems like. Weirdly enough, a lot of these things are are in university towns, and they're instigated by engineering students. Who have the most steam to let off, right? I guess so. They build steam engines, and the steam builds up. And maybe they're the best at building bonfires? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, look at this subpar bonfire. You must be be a literature major. Come on. (laughs) I wouldn't. Yeah, I actually, Girl Scouts, I was... Uh, one of the best fire makers, just FYI. Mm. Um, on, on, yeah. Tied to that and to my old church that celebrates cookie communion cookie, and cookie. key jingling. <laughs> um, they, they did the ritual of the new flame every year for Easter. <clears throat> and it's a really nice ritual where the entire room is doused. And then priests in the back light up a, a big like brazier fire. So mm-hmm. kind of. Like flickering light fills the sanctuary and then people pass the candles along and this light spreads across and then they light the altar candles. And like there's a ceremony, the fire for the next year, which they don't really do that. But it's still that's kind of the, the elements of that. And that, that new flame tradition comes from Beltane as well, where the bonfire is like all the fires are doused and the bonfire is the new light that starts up. And 
such. And you can cool. give it, you can give a drink to the she as well, the elves. But I like that that tradition is carried into into modern Christianity, and it was a really powerful ritual for me. So, do you realize, or did you realize that we are going to be at Satan Con on Walpurgis Nacht? Oh, are we? Geez. Oh, we are. Yeah, we are. <gasps> uh huh. Holy moly! And the Satanic Temple uh, celebrates um, Hexenacht uh, as it's a holiday to honor those who are victimized by superstition. So I, that's hmm. the night of the the show with Lucian Greaves as techno band. I'm okay with it as long as they make it fun. Yes, I think that it sounds like it's going to be fun. Yeah, um, when, when you use the word commemorate in a sentence, it tends to lower the fun level by like 35%. It's true, but there's nothing, I don't think there's anything on the schedule about that. But anywho, I just saw that, I just caught that. But also, the uh, Walpurgisnacht is also very important to uh, the Church of Satan. And that's the, the Levian theistic mm-hmm. Satanist branch. Okay, why? Yes, because April 30th, 1966 is year zero so that's the founding of the of the church and it is next to next to one's own birthday it is an important satanic holiday so it's memorialized as symbolizing the fruition of spring equinox levey chose that date well aware of the association with witchcraft so that's the founding of the church of satan so I feel like I need to uh, correct some of my assumptions slightly because I felt that there was a strong connection between the Nazis and Walpurgisnacht. Oh, and there possibly. I was going to say, how are we going to end this episode? But <laughs> <laughs> on a high note. <laughs> so everything is kind of conjecture at this point. There's a lot of argument over whether or not. That's true, like that there really was this occult connection, like that that there was a, a, a cult, like an occult project within Nazi, within uh, the Nazi party. Um, Didn't and you watch overall... Indiana Jones? See, see, this is the thing. So there is some evidence, but there's also not a ton of evidence, specifically with Hitler himself, because he seemed just very, uh, the, everything that I read said that he's just opportunistic about religion Mm. so the whole like occultist thing like yes he potentially dabbled in it specifically like with theosophy and there's the tool society which was sort of like college age pro-nazi folks who also dabbled in the occult but supposedly no nobody official in the nazi party was associated they would just go to their meetings and speak but two of hitler's uh key key people like Himmler and Alfred Rosenberg, I think it was, but they were um, they were neo pagans, and also associated with the occult. So there was potentially an occult project within the Nazi Party, but Hitler, you know, may or may not have fed into those beliefs. Because as a matter of fact, he actually even said at one point that, you know, that's the last thing that you know the the nationalist project needs is to be associated with. All of these mythical figures. The entire movement was tied to the Volkish folk yes. revival, and, yep. and, and, it, and it may have gone away from there in an angry humanist route. But the place where it began was in kind of the Jacob Grimm style, like yep. nationalist myth. 
Yeah, we've talked about this. Like yeah. that's where you start. So I'm distrustful of all of these sources <laughs> on both sides because it just seems like, but it's there. It's on the box. But it's, it's, and, and again, like, you know, that's how you create an, you have to create a national mythology in order to claim your superiority over other people, mm. you know, and a lot of the racial superiority ideas came from this specifically with these two people that i mentioned came from this kind of uh neo-paganist uh occultist mostly occultist background or study that they had done but (laughs) one of the most uh coincidental things that feeds into this into these discussions is that supposedly on uh, April 22nd, nine days before Walpurgis knocked, or before May 1st. When um, when Olda was running from the Wild Hunt, in fact. Yes. Uh, Odin also hung himself on the Tree of Life. And on April 30th, the ninth night, he beheld, he beheld the runes and died. And so at midnight, he was resurrected. On oh. May, so he was resurrected on, on May 1st. On April 22nd, 1945... Hitler pulled up in his Berlin bunker, went crazy, <laughs> and during the next nine days, he dictated his will, married Eva Braun, poisoned his favorite dog to test the cyanide capsules, and handed out capsules to everybody. And then on April 30th, he shot himself. Everybody took their poison pills while Eva Braun took her poison pill, and uh, their bodies were burned as he had ordered. So, A strange again, synchronicity. Yeah, so so there's this idea that Hitler himself was also kind of trying to be like Odin. That's part of the mythology as well. Like he saw himself as this god and potentially thought he was going to be res- resurrected. Ha. Hmm. So, I yeah. Did Odin have the little funny mustache, or was that the no? He was missing an eye and had a huge beard. I suspect hmm. very different. Hmm. Very different. I do have but- a. I do have a lighter note. Unless oh. there was a but. Was that but going to be a sentence that was funny? Oh, no. Yeah. Just one other weird little sure. factoid okay. that fits into all this. Yeah, yeah. So, remember, Hitler committed suicide and killed uh, his dog and Eva Braun in 1945. But in 1933, right when the Nazi party seized power, an Austrian satirist and polemicist, Karl Kraus, wrote a polemic against Nazi media and its dishonesty, opportunistic obfuscation, um, embrace of viciousness and self-serving hyperbole. This was called, this book that predated Hitler's suicide was called The Third Walpurgisnacht. Hmm. What? Yeah. So okay. if you were a conspiracy okay. theorist, you might start okay. creating one of those little Yeah, yeah flowcharts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have a small, a small like upbeat thing, which I had not noticed in like researching this all day, but I found it in the like hidden notes behind the Walpurgisnacht. Walpurgis Night entry in Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. There's another name for Walpurgis Night in Germany. It's a celebration with dancing and bonfires and drinking. So with maybe without the witchcraft and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then May 1st is a public holiday like Labor Day. But it's called Tanzen de May. Dancing to May. <gasps> yeah. Uh-huh. And that's just so pretty. I like that a lot. So it really kind I of, like that too. It's, it's a, a more personal and concise journey into the new year sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And without any Nazi overtones or undertones or conspiracies. Always a plus. <laughs> well, shall we wrap this up? I think we shall. Well, then, 
happy Walpurgis night. Perhaps we will see you in Massachusetts celebrating with us. And until then, we will see you... In Boston. Uh, on Mount Brocken. <laughs> at, at the carousel for my band. <laughs> oh, the... <laughs> until then. Bye. 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 This podcast is copyright 2023 by The Dispatchist and is Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources.